The defending National League champion Arizona Diamondbacks made an interesting signing. Meanwhile, should the Red Sox continue to clean house? You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Hey, there's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I have been a baseball podcaster for a while, well over a decade, but this is my sixth season here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us at Locked On MLB on Twitter, or Locked On MLB Pod, sorry, on Twitter, whatever the heck it's called now. And on Instagram, I am your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And if you're listening to us every day and you're going to post on one of those sites, be sure to use the hashtag EverydaySully so we know who's listening to us every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app and create an account and use code LOCKDOWN for $20 off of your first purchase. So let's go through, first of all, the trivia question that I threw out there the other day, we had a couple people, was when the American League was formed in 1901, there was a team called the Baltimore Orioles and another team called the Milwaukee Brewers. Those franchises moved and are not the teams we now call the Brewers and Orioles. Where did those teams move to and who did they become? Uh, a couple of people... Uh, Court Stell, uh, John Murphy Jr., Jonathan Coran, a bunch of them all threw out the correct answers. The Milwaukee Brewers became the St. Louis Browns, and the St. Louis Browns became the Baltimore Orioles. Meanwhile, the other team that called themselves the Baltimore Orioles moved to New York and became the New York Highlanders, and eventually they changed their name to the Yankees. So the Orioles started as the Brewers by way of St. Louis, and the Yankees started as the Orioles. And it makes sense in one way that the Yankees would have an origin in Baltimore because the player who put the team on the map was Babe Ruth, who was from Baltimore. It all makes sense. Hey, before we jump into some of the main things we're talking about, uh, as you know, your pal Sully, that would be me, did his high I lived my high school years and a lot of years of my adulthood in the town of Palo Alto, California. And a proud graduate of Palo Alto High School is my brother, Ted. But also Jock Peterson. And Jock Peterson, who played the last couple of years as a member of the San Francisco Giants. It was a nice homecoming. He actually made the All-Star team in 2022 as a Giant. But he had a down year last year. He still has a little bit of pop in his bat, but the 32-year-old Definitely had a downtick in his career. Well, he signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I have to say, I like this move for the Diamondbacks. I've liked a bunch of the moves the Diamondbacks have done. Rodriguez coming to the team that already has a good pitching staff, and now Jock Peterson. You're not asking to be a superstar. You're not asking to be an all-star. You're asking to be a good, solid veteran to plug into a team that got to the World Series a year ahead of schedule, but... Uh, Jack Peterson has been pretty a uh, good luck charm this decade. He has two World Series rings 
won in 2020 with the Los Angeles Dodgers, won in 2021 as a key member of the Atlanta Braves. Remember, they acquired him, and he hit the big home runs against a very good Milwaukee Brewers team that helped send the Atlanta Braves to the National League Championship Series. So, good, solid move. Anytime you can bring in a veteran player, I think, to a team that has images of getting back to the postseason dancing in their head, uh, I don't think that's a bad, bad plan if you're the Arizona Diamondbacks. This is a smart organization who's made some smart moves and are looking to return their way to the World Series. And I say, go right ahead. Bring them on. Um, I just, I'm going to also uh, respond to a couple people who wrote uh, via, on comments, some of my everyday sullies, that include Razorbacks1, who has said, truer words have never been spoken than the collective bargaining agreement requires a team from the AL to make the playoffs. That's a reference to yesterday's show with Brandon Warren, where I said the best thing going for the Minnesota Twins to repeat as American League Central champions is the fact that some teams got to make it from there, and it's probably not going to be the White Sox. It's probably not going to be the Guardians. Uh, the Royals were a 100-loss team last year. That is improving, but nowhere near a playoff team. And then, oh, yeah, the White Sox have an opportunity to be possibly the worst team in baseball. So uh, Razorbacks 1 continues. That said, Detroit is much better than most people think. I agree. He said if Flaherty comes through on the mound, they can win the division. At least their GM is trying to improve the team. Uh, Flavio signs four minor league pitchers who had ERAs over five and a minor leaguer whose strikeout rate uh, rivals Joey Gallo. Blue light specials on aisle five. But I think he makes a good point that, and I was hinting at this the other day, and that was the, someone's got to win the Central. The Twins have as good a chance of anybody of winning the Central, and if they should fall back the way St. Louis did last year when they looked like they were the only team that was making a run for it, Detroit's made a little improvement here or there. They did finish in second place last year. They weren't that far out of 500 last year, and, you know, if the Twins stumble, I think the Tigers are going to be the one who – breaks the fall, basically, and will sneak in. Do I think the Tigers are going to go far? No, I do not. But guess what? I didn't think the Arizona Diamondbacks were going to go far last year either. So keep a nice eye out on what is happening, possibly happening with the Detroit Tigers, especially if the Minnesota Twins should fall. Now, I can tell you that getting tickets for an Oakland A's game isn't exactly the hardest thing to do in the world. But I've been, I have tickets for the final game next year in Oakland. But I've been getting good tickets to see hockey games here in Los Angeles, going to see Giants games in San Francisco. Basically, any place you want to get good tickets, the best place to get it is using Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And right now, all users can get $100 off when they buy a big game ticket with code VEGAS100. And with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, and views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, GameTime 
takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. I'm telling you, when I'm buying my tickets for the Giants, the Dodgers, A's, LA Kings, they got fabulous last-minute deals, flash deals, zone deals, and you can find your tickets from any kind of event in your area. And the most important thing, you get the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and you get views from all seats right on your device. Game time has deals on tickets right to the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. It's ideal for Dodger fans who show up late. Find exclusive uh, flash deals and the sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, concerts, comedy, and more. Zone deals who pick the section. Game time picks the seats for big time savings. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Right now, all Game Time users get $100 off a big game ticket with code Vegas100. Terms apply. Just download the Game Time app and use the code VEGAS100 for $100 off a big game ticket. Or if you're not going to the game, use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. You get last minute tickets. You get the lowest prices, and you know what? They're guaranteed. Hey, everybody, look who decided to stop by the podcast. I promised you we were going to be talking about the Red Sox, and Gabby Hurlbut from Locked On Red Sox have stopped by. How are you doing, Gabby? I'm doing great, Sully. How are you doing? Um, I'm just looking forward to pitchers and catchers reporting. And by the way, um, Gabby is our wonderful – a uh, new host, relatively new. So, you know, Gabrielle Starr was there for so long, and for a while I felt that we could only have people named Gabby or Gabrielle there. Um, and Lauren was there in between, too. But Gabby's just killing it with Locked On Red Sox. And also, ch- just see her on the interweb. She's talking about all Boston sports, all Boston sports, all the time. You're my, you're my eyes and ears in my old hometown uh, and happy to represent. Absolutely, absolutely. As I'm here in in uh, Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. As the I uh, see, I'm closer to Mookie Betts, of course. Uh, as uh, you know, Mookie Betts is pulled into the the orbit here. But this has been a strange, strange off season for the Red Sox. Uh, and it was an it was an interesting year for the Red Sox last year, uh, the, the final year of the the Bloom administration. Uh, but they you know they were sub five hundred, but there were cracks of hope on the team, especially the emergence of Casas, the emergence of Duran, the emergence of Bello, the fine season by Yoshida, and. I actually like the Chris Sale trade because I think that I don't think how many more years you're going to get out of Sale. And Vaughn Grisham was a good second base prospect, and they kept Devers. But I want your your take because they traded Sale, they traded Verdugo. What are your thoughts? Because I know some Red Sox fans are not happy with what's happening there. Yeah, you know, I think the primary reason for the unhappiness is the lack of transparency from the Red Sox in terms of what their actual goals are for this upcoming season, because it's really coming across like they're trying to build around a young core that they eventually have coming up from the minors. Um, You know, players like Marcelo Meyer, Kyle Teal, Roman Anthony, that core that eventually will all come up and help shape what the future of the Boston Red Sox is going to look like along with, you know, you mentioned Casas and, 
and Duran, those guys will be part of that core too. And obviously Devers, cause he's here to stay now. Mm -hmm. Um, and that seems to be the direction that they're heading in. Although prior to the off season starting, they were talking about how they're going to go full throttle this off season. And clearly their definition of full throttle is different from the fans definition of full throttle because full throttle to me is more like what the Dodgers have been doing this off season because they've really been going in this off season. And uh, that's going to be, you know, a very, very stacked roster for them heading into uh, 2024. So props to them, but the Red Sox are in an interesting place right now because they are in a very tough division and they're in a place right now where they can't really afford to give up a lot of young assets for pitching. Now, you know, there are guys out there that they could have had a conversation about that are ace caliber starters that they could try to execute a trade for. But I would hate to see them have to dig into that core group of Kyle Teal, Marcelo Meyer in order to get a pitcher like that when those guys are definitely worth keeping around because they're going to be the future of the organization but what I would have liked to see more of is have them be a little bit more aggressive in terms of the free agent contracts that mm -hmm. they could have given out um I also agree with the Chris Sale trade you know unfortunately he just hasn't been able to stay healthy the last few years and who knows how much he was really going to pitch this upcoming season right. for the team so I think it was a move that needed to happen and they got a great return in the deal and a guy who could be a solid second baseman moving forward because second base was an issue for the Red Sox last year. They Certainly didn't really was, have, yeah. you know, a full-time second baseman. So having him in here now with Grisham, I think he's a great addition to this roster. He's very talented and he's somebody that the Red Sox helped fill a need with. Um, so I did agree with that. Verdugo was another one. They had to get rid of an outfielder somehow because they just had an overload of outfielders here. And, you know, Alex Cora and Alex Verdugo were not always on the same page last yeah. year. So I had a feeling he was going to be moved. Um, but my biggest thing right now with this team is there are still a lot of question marks, especially with the starting rotation. I think, you know, when you look at some of these guys like Brian Bayo or Cutter Crawford. Those are guys who definitely have a lot of potential and we've seen that potential. And I think having Andrew Bailey here to work with them can help elevate their game. But then, you know, they bring in a guy in Lucas Giolito who is a question mark. I mean, he yeah. hasn't pitched well. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, like the Riddler. so many question marks. Cause you saw he pitched yeah. pretty well. And then when he pitched for the angels for an hour and a half, he was horrific. I yeah. mean, there was no middle ground with that guy. No, and that's a concern of mine is we saw what he was, you know, prior to all these off-field issues that he had going on, and he used to be dominant. Yeah. And I think the Red Sox are hoping they can get some semblance of that back, but that's a very questionable thing, like whether he can get back to that or not is a major concern for me. Um, yeah. And then, you know, they have Nick Pavetta, who's going to pitch out of the starting rotation. But I really liked his numbers last year a lot better out of the pen. So who knows yeah. if he'll be able to 
translate that. And then the fifth spot is kind of up for grabs right now. So I don't doubt that they can help elevate some of these guys that they have, but it would feel nice to be reassured of having that true number one proven guy at the top of the rotation, because that's something that they have not had in a long time. Well, that was why the only free agent that was floating out there that I really want to see the Red Sox go after was Yamamoto. Because I thought if you put Yamamoto, look at, by, oh, for my Australian fans, that's my first look at of the night. So there you go. Take a drink. I said, look at the, if you put Yamamoto, if he is just three quarters of what he was in Japan, if he is like the equivalent of a Tanaka when he came over and pitched very well for the, uh, for New York, you, if you have him, that takes pressure off of Bellow. That takes pressure off of Crawford. And maybe you'll get good Tanner Houck. At this point, the, the Red Sox would be fine with mediocre Tanner Houck as opposed to the batting practice that happened last year. Uh, remember, mediocre is better than bad. So you would have, if you had Yamamoto, Crawford, Bellow, Houck, that's a wild card contender, I think. Or at least, you know, that gets, that gets you above 500. But when they didn't sign him, I was like, okay, yeah, take, take a shot with, with um, what's his name, um, uh, uh, Giolito. You know, you know, take, you know, roll the dice, who knows. But I, that's when I would felt like, okay, it's time to, it's time to move forward. I mean, you mentioned the transparency. Okay, I my my Red Sox fandom. I mean, I have the '82 Red Sox yearbook behind me. I I have I've earned my credentials. I would have no problem if they said, "Look it, we let's." But wait, no, that was in character. That wasn't me saying it. That was the the management. If they said, "We're we are going to put together the next good young Red Sox team that you're going to fall in love with," I and I believe. That Red Sox fans would say, "Okay, you're you're going in a good you're going in a direction." I what I don't think Red Sox fans like is kind of as like you said, we're gonna go gung ho. Okay, gung ho is Lucas Giolito. That's just we see what you're doing. Just tell us what you're doing. Yeah, that's exactly where. I'm at too, is people would have been much more understanding, I think, if they just were honest about that and said, we have a lot of young talent in this system that we believe in and we trust to be the future of the Boston Red Sox. So right now, we are not at a point where we want to go all in on getting these high-end guys that are going to cost that future for us. And I think people would have understood more the vision of where they're going instead of saying what they tried to say and people under the impression that they're in win now mode because they are not and they don't need to be because I think what they are building can be something special. It's just going to take time. And I just wish that Red Sox ownership and people involved in those types of decisions just came out and said that originally. So they weren't setting unrealistic expectations for all of us. Well, it's a surefire bet that Red Sox fans are not happy with what the uh, management is doing. And I am not going to put any money on the Red Sox winning the division, but if I'm going to make any bets, I'm heading over to FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed 
when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use that you'll come up with new ways to use the word parlay that you never thought of before. Say you can get the live same game parlays. You can make a parlay at the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet an easy chip shot. FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League. Locked On has created the first 24-7 national sports streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first-ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. We're with Gabby Hurlbut of Locked On Red Sox. Hey, quick question for you. I said it right, right? Yes. Okay, good. Um, here's another name I'm, I, I may stub my toe on. Sedan uh, Rafaela, who is one of the top Red Sox prospects uh, right now. Where does he fit in with the team? I mean, he had a cup of coffee with the Major League roster last year. Where are they seeing him fitting in with the club? Yeah, you know, he's definitely an interesting talent because he can play both in the outfield and the infield. So he has that versatility that he can offer to the Red Sox roster. However, the question now becomes, is that talent and that versatility worth hanging on to? Because he's the type of player they could move um, and package into a trade for somebody if they really wanted to. Because again, they still are stacked in the outfield right now with talent. And then now they brought in Grissom for second base. And obviously Trevor Story is going to be the primary shortstop um, yeah. until Marcelo Meyer. Ex- yeah. <laughs> He's a um, seat filler. He's a seat filler for Meyer, basically. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's true, but it is true. But uh, his defense is very good. So I yeah. do give Story credit for that because he completely helped turn around that defense. That was a mess last year when he mm-hmm. came back up. So can't really uh, hate on the guy for that when he came back from injury. So um, I think, you know, I, I, you know, it's, it, I'm totally fine with him being just a, a kind of a placeholder there until Meyer comes up. And then, you know, it seems like the Red Sox are really trying to just keep that young core in place. So then the outfield, you know, is probably going to look something like, you know, Duran, Abreu, maybe um, Yoshida and Tyler O'Neill as kind of the primary outfielders. The question becomes, though, do they see Rafaela as somebody who can fit into that equation? And at some point they have to decide, do we move Yoshida to a DH role more because his defense is weak in the outfield? Um, so I could see them hanging on to Rafaela for now because of that versatility and feeling like they can slot him in somewhere in either the outfield or the infield if need be. But long-term, I don't see him being part of the puzzle, especially because they have another young outfielder and Roman Anthony, who's right. likely going to be coming up soon and is going to be part of that equation too. So Rafaela is somebody 
that I see the Red Sox actually eventually moving for a piece that they need because he has a lot of value with that versatility. And in his short little stint last year in the time he came up, he put up some very strong numbers at the plate too. So he's definitely somebody that I think would draw interest from a lot of teams and ultimately long-term, I don't see fitting in with what the Red Sox are trying to do here simply because of the other talent that they have coming in. But for right now, I could see them kind of hanging on to him for a little bit longer until they fully work out this whole situation with the outfield, because there are still some question marks as to really what that outfield's going to look like and how they're going to go about that. I have a friend of mine who's a, a diehard Red Sox fan uh, who called him Kiki Jr., because like Kiki Hernandez could play the outfield, could play the infield. Oh, Kiki Jr.'s in there. Kiki Jr.'s in there. And uh, the dad yeah. version of Kike, or what are we? Oh uh, well, well yeah, I think he here? told me it'd be the playoff version of Kike in the oh. uh, from in the uh, the the Rays series. God, twenty twenty one seems like a long time ago. They were two wins away from the World Series. I That's know. a long time ago. Um, Nobody that I, that season was just so. It's just looking like more and more of an outlier. Now. But you know, there have been outliers. I mean, let's be honest. Twenty thirteen was an outlier, yeah. that but that was a rebuilding team too. that just happened to win the World Series. I'm hoping yeah. we get twenty thirteen vibes this year. No, but but I was oh oh I was absolutely positive the twenty thirteen Red Sox were going to be absolutely terrible. Go back and listen to my oh, yeah. podcast from then, and I was giving them no credit. But um, it's interesting. You you brought up um, you brought up Rafael as being part of a trade. I think the Red Sox should maybe package him with Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin because and 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 try to get a couple more good young I mean, maybe arms in there or someone because having Jansen and Martin on the team it's the proverbial you're you're rebuilding your house but you bought a really nice toaster to put in while the house is being demoed like they have a they have a closer in Jansen who I. I, I, I have mixed feelings about as someone who's seen a lot of his games in LA, but he is, you know, he was an all-star last year. Uh, and there's a lot of teams that are saying, oh, we need bullpen depth. Chris Martin had a wonderful year for the Red Sox last year. If you could throw Rafaela, who doesn't really have a spot on the team, Jansen and Martin as a package and say, hey, look it, you get two quality arms for your bullpen and a young player throw us a couple of young players back. That's exactly what I'd be doing, especially as teams are trying to, you know, there's a bunch of teams who have gaping holes in their bullpen right now, including the defending World Series champion Texas Rangers, uh, that that you could, and they have a bunch of young players and not a lot of spots for all of them. I don't know. I would, I would be making those calls because by the time the Red Sox are a championship caliber team again, Jansen won't have any trade value. So let's go on this. Yeah, you know, I think when it comes to Chris Martin, if they want to move him, now is the time to do it. Because what if he regresses next, this upcoming season? I mean, there's no guarantee he's going to have the same type of season he had last year. Because I did not expect the season Nobody he did. had last year. I mean, I was excited when they signed him in terms of, you know, I think there's, you know, some upside with him. He could be a good piece out of the pen but for him to be one of the best relievers in baseball last year was definitely not anything that I expected and he was lights out most of his outings and so if the Red Sox do want to trade him 
now would definitely be the time to do that when his value is at an all-time high because it's going to be tough if they head into the season with Martin in that pen and he starts to backtrack from what he was last year. And then the Red Sox are kind of in a spot where they kind of wasted an opportunity. And the same goes for Kenley. I mean, Kenley didn't have the best, most miraculous season in Boston last year, nor did I think that he would um, at this point in his career with where he's at. The saving grace with Jansen was that he, you know, is a proven legitimate closer. And there was a period of time where the Red Sox didn't have a closer and they were just throwing people into that role and hoping it worked. Like that 2022 season, they blew a lot of late games because they didn't have an established closer in there. So they would have to probably go back to that mentality a little bit if they were to move Jansen. Um, But it would have to be a situation where they say, okay, do we see somebody like Garrett Whitlock moving into the closer role or Tanner Houck because Tanner Houck is fantastic, but he struggles the third time through the order still. So he's a type of pitcher to me that I've always seen as a two, maybe three inning bullpen type of guy. I've been saying for a while, I like his Mm -hmm. stuff better out of the pen because he's absolutely lethal if he only has to face a lineup once or twice. So this could be a good opportunity for the Red Sox to say, you know, We've tried him as a starter, and although he's good for the first couple times through the order, what do we do about that third time? Maybe we eliminate that and we put him in the closing spot and kind of see how that works. And that could actually be a situation that works for them. And Kenley Jansen, he's going to draw interest regardless because he's Kenley Jansen and because of the career that he's had. So they would definitely be able to find a trade partner for him. Um, and you know, Raffaello would be an added bonus on that too, because he's a young player with a ton of upside and a lot of talent. So I'm sure there would be teams willing to give up a young controllable pitcher because the Red Sox are looking for somebody who can be under team control for a while. So if they can get somebody like that in the in a return, that's the type of piece that they can use to continue this rebuild long-term. If they can get a young starting pitcher that they can help, you know, be part of that whole operation and they can really work with him and um, fine tune his skills, that could be a well-spent move for the Red Sox. And I don't know how serious these trading Kenley Jansen rumors really are because This offseason's really been all over the place in terms of the reports and what's legitimate and what's not. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're shopping him. If they do shop him, I would not be overly upset about it. I would be curious to see what their backup plan is for who they plan to have closeout games because there were definitely games last year where I was grateful it was Kenley there in that spot. Um, So I'd be interested to see who they plan to bring into that role if they do trade him. But I absolutely do think it's a trade they could make to a team that needs more bullpen depth because ultimately right now the bullpen is not the weakness for the Red Sox. Like they had a good bullpen last year and they will have a good bullpen still. So if they do move those guys that you mentioned, you know, they're not really taking a step back completely in terms of the strength of the bullpen next year. Well, look, and, and in terms of the state of the AL East, 
I mean, I think the Yankees were not as bad as they were when they were 82 wins. I don't think they were as good as they were when they were 99 wins. I think yeah. that they, I think they're a high 80, low 90 win team. I think the Orioles and the Rays are better and Toronto's better. So at this point, you might as well just take advantage of this time to say, all right, well, let's, uh, let's, let's back up and see. And, and if by 2025, they're a legitimate pennant contender, um, I think, I think all will be well in the world. Well, look at uh, Gabby. This is uh, this is fantastic having you on, and tell people where they can listen to your fabulous show. Yeah, you can follow Locked On Red Sox on your favorite podcast platform. New episodes every day, talking all things Red Sox. It's a great time, I promise you. You can also follow the show on Twitter at lo underscore Red Sox. You can interact with other Red Sox fans. That way, I like to post a lot of things, especially during the season, and you'll see a lot of other fans who are just as angry as you are about the outcomes of some of these games. So check out the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow it on Twitter. You can also follow me on Twitter at GabbyHurlbutt10 and interact with me that way during the offseason, during the season, whenever you want. I'm always up to talking Red Sox with anybody. So check me out there too. Now let's just check out a... Trivia question. Yesterday was a great day for former Red Sox for about a minute. Adrian Beltre, third base, got elected to the Hall of Fame. Uh, another Red Sox third baseman who had a great highlight was Brock Holt, who was the first person to hit for the cycle in a postseason game. That was, that was crazy. <laughs> but Brock, the trivia question is, what connection does Brock Holt have with Wade Boggs's legacy with the Red Sox? That is your trivia question. What direct link does Brock Holt have with Wade Boggs's legacy on the Red Sox? So send that to Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter or on Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Taking a look at the Red Sox and what a confusing team they are with Gabby Hurlbut of Locked On Red Sox. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan of Locked On MLB. Please call me Sully.